Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. I uh, want to continue with um, this topic of the Middle East conflict. I think it's a, a topic that I know has really stirred uh, quite a bit of interest in several, and I know that because I began to get texts about it. I began to get uh, emails uh, with uh, attachments to different articles, and uh, I got at least five different video clips that were sent to me this week, so uh, that's good. I, I, I know that that stirred some interest. And I'm interested in... Uh, what is taking place there in the Middle East, I think, as all of you are. I do have a greater uh, concern, a greater interest in all of that, and that is how do we respond to everything that is taking place? And as believers, we need to be people who understand that we cannot, we are not to ever fear what is going on. We must be people of rest. It's what Amber was speaking to us earlier about. And I asked her just a little while ago, I said, do you, do you really have a, a further prophetic word for us concerning, concerning all that? Because what's going to happen in the Middle East is going to happen. Amen? And should we be educated about it? Well, yeah, it's, it's okay to be educated about it. It's, it's good for us to understand the ins and outs of it all. But the most important thing is, is how are you processing that as a believer? How do you understand what you are supposed to do in the midst of all this? Who you're supposed to be in the midst of all this? Because if we respond to what's taking place in Washington, D.C. or anywhere else, and we don't do it in a Christ-like manner, we are out of line. We are not doing and being who we have been created to be. We are to be people of faith. We are the ones who need to be showing the world how you respond to these things properly. And fear and doubt and unbelief, uh, being, being irrational, saying things that are, that are not from the Word of God, is not the way we're supposed to be reacting. We need to be showing the world how to re respond to these things. We as believers need to be showing the world that you can go through a storm and still take a nap. We need to know how to rest in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. It's so easy to quote that. It's so easy to say it. But do you believe it and are you living it? It's one thing to, to know a scripture. It's another thing to live that scripture. And until we get the, uh, the things down on the inside of us, David even said that concerning sin. Your word have I hid in my heart that I not sin against you. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might respond in a Christ-like manner. Your word have I hid in my heart so that I can not only have your word in me, I can exemplify your word outwardly. And when you and I become the body of Christ, 
that knows how to stand on the Word of God and knows how to respond to adversity, when we know how to respond to trials and tribulations in a Christ-like manner, that is when we begin to get the attention of the lost and dying world. And until then, we're just a club that claims something but really exemplifies nothing. So, where are those? I'm asking you, will you be one of those this morning who will take a bold stance for Jesus Christ and get it down on the inside of you to where you are exemplifying Christ Jesus? When people look at us, we are the representation of Christ on the earth now. Jesus came and exemplified the Father. We've been grafted in as sons and daughters of the Most High. Our lives need to be a reflection of Him. Too many times we're no different than the world. And I'm looking for a remnant. I'm looking for a people who will stand and who will not be afraid. A people who know who they are in Christ Jesus. And we know how to love unconditionally. We know how to serve fervently. We know how to respond godly. And when we do that, we'll see a person here and there who receives Jesus Christ, and his will will be done. Can anyone say amen? Amen. Remember uh, what I said last week in the fact that uh, my intent of this topic in discussing the Middle East is not to teach on the book of Revelations. Uh, This is not an end time study. Uh, It's more about just showing how current events relate to uh, Bible history and uh, where we're standing today as a nation and where we need to be standing as, as individuals. I believe God has his hands upon America. But do you know America is far from being squeaky clean? I believe God has his hands upon Israel. And Israel is far from being squeaky clean. I received some videos this week of uh, some things that I uh, really wasn't aware of. Ralph sent me some stuff uh, that, that was very interesting. And there's many people who, who believe that there were higher-ups in Israel government uh, who actually were traitors during this last attack, who were actually giving information to Hamas and were actually siding with Hamas in these last attacks. 
You and I don't know all the stuff that's going on. There's no way we can ever know. And whenever the word says for us to pray for Israel, we pray for her because God tells us to. He, Israel is God's chosen people. But as I explained last week, you and I are God's chosen people too. But we are to pray for Israel because they are God's chosen nation, chosen people. But also, we also need to pray for them that they will be a righteous nation as God has created them to be. That corruption will not be in control of Israel. That corruption will not be in control of the United States of America. We need to be praying for those things. Whenever you think about God's hand being on certain things, we realize that all the way down through history that God's hand has been upon Israel, and I, I believe that it's on America as well. But there are some in Israel who have this mindset. Their mindset is they, they understand end-time prophecy from the Word of God. The, the, the one thing that they don't accept is Jesus Christ as the Messiah. But they understand biblical prophecy and end times. And there's a mindset amongst many Israelites that they will help to fuel this, help to cause it to come to pass quicker. It's called global acceleration. Have you ever heard of that? It's a simple term. But they believe in global acceleration. We will accelerate the cause for the end times. And so many of them believe that by siding with Hamas or whatever their mindset might be, that it helps to escalate some of the end time things. Is that demonic or what? I mean, that, that is just incredible. But those kind of things are taking place. And once again, you and I need to understand where we fall in all of this, and where we fall is on the side of Christ. I believe that there needs to be a revival in Israel as well as in America, and we said, uh, read this out of Zechariah chapter 12 last week, and I want to just reiterate uh, that once again. Zechariah 12 and verse 9, it says, For on that day I will begin to destroy all the nations that come against Israel. Right there is a good reason for us to uh, be support, supportive of, uh, come against Jerusalem. We need to be supportive of Jerusalem and Israel. Then I will pour out uh, a spirit of grace and a prayer on the family of David and the people of Jerusalem. They will look on me whom they have pierced, now, now remember, Zechariah was written in 520 B.C. So this is a prophetic word of Jesus Christ. They will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn for him as for an only son. They will grieve bitterly for him as for a firstborn son who had died. Is that talking about anyone but Jesus? Absolutely not. But look at the accuracy of the inerrant word of God. Look at the two words that almost don't seem like they go together, but they go together perfectly. They will look on me, whom they have pierced, and mourn. You would think that it would say, mourn for me, 
Or would it, should it have been, they will look on him whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him. No, it is saying, you look on me whom they have pierced, and mourn for him. Why does it say that? Because God the Father and Jesus the Son are one and the same. Amen? We see the inerrant brilliancy of God's Word right here in this, in this verse. They will look on me, the Father, whom they have pierced and mourn for him, the Son. Or it can be they will look on me, the Son, and they will mourn for him, the Father. Either way. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus could use that term interchangeably. Inter, uh, Whenever you've seen me, when you've seen him, you've seen, the, you've seen me. Just the brilliance of Scripture. Getting into uh, all the politics and the studying of, uh, of end times, maybe some people are really kind of expecting this to be that. It's really not. Uh, I, I kind of want to wanted to stay out of the politics of it all. I, I do think I would make a good Sunday school class someday. Matthew 24, verses 6 and 7. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. This goes back to what I started out with. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Did you see that? It says, see that you are not troubled. There's going to be wars, and there's rumors of wars. There's war going on right now. But it says, see that you are not troubled. How do you do that? How do you see that you're not troubled? I know some of you are, are kind of nervous from birth. <laughs> I mean, some of you, some of you, you just act like you have to worry. It's just part of your DNA. Well, let, let me tell you, that is not your DNA. It may be your nature. It may be your characteristic, but it's not the way that you're supposed to be. And you can be set free of that. I know people who have a nervous, anxiety worrisome personality. You can be set free of that. And God wants you to be set free of that. We don't need to be worrying and being troubled by what's going on in the world. It says, see, see that you are not troubled. So what you have to do sometimes is you just have to tell yourself, self, you straighten yourself up, you get yourself in faith, you get yourself believing, and you quit worrying. And then you sit down, and the first thing you do, you say, oh, dear. This no. Bring every thought into captivity. That's what that Scripture's talking about. You bring every thought, you bring every emotion into alignment with the Word of God. If you think something that's not in alignment with the Word, you reject it. I will not think about that. I am not going there. That is not good for me. It takes me down the wrong road. You know, I might have shared this before. I have not been to my mom and dad's graveside uh, other than one time. 
since they've been, been uh, gone. And some people think, oh, that's just terrible. Yeah, why would you? And other people, they go all the time. If you go all the time and you can still live in peace, go for it. I can't. I go to my mom and dad's grave, and I'm saddened. And I, this isn't in my notes. I go to mom and dad's grave, and I get heavy-hearted. It's not a place of comfort. It's not a place of peace. It's not a place of joy. But I can stand right here and think, think of my mom and dad. And it's great memories. But I don't have that at the gravesite. So I don't go there. You have to do the same thing in your mind with situations. Your mind wants to take you places that are not joyful, they're not healthy, they're not good, they're not encouraging. So what do you do? You have to tell yourself, I'm not going there. This is Faith 101, folks. I try to live a life where I bring every thought into captivity because there are fears and doubts and unbelief that try to come upon all of us. And I'll tell you, there's probably not too many people in this room who can get riled up about Washington, D.C. any more than I can. And I could go on for a long time talking about that. And what do you do with that stuff? I mean, you can get to boiling on the inside of the atrocities that are going on, the sin that is going on, the blindness that's going on. You can get all riled up about that stuff. And I, I have to bring myself under control and say, Ron, you got to... Yeah, I got to get away from that. You got to stop that stuff. So I bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Isn't that neat? It adds that. Bring every, every thought into the obedience of Christ. Think upon these things, those things which are pure, those things which are righteous, those things which are holy. And I, I really believe whenever Paul said at the very end of his life, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have won the race. I have ran the race. That's the good fight he's talking about, is the fight between your ears. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And until you get your mind under control, you are always going to be a defeated foe because the devil is an expert at mind manipulation. He knows how to get into your thinking. And it's your responsibility to say, devil, 
I am not going to have any part of you. You are not going to run my life. I am under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm not going where you want me to go. It's better living the righteous, holy, pure life. But it is a battle. Amen. Do you notice here in this verse, it says, Nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now, you know, most of us think when we hear this verse, it's talking about everything that's going on here on the earth. And it most certainly is relating that, relating to that. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. But what you and I as believers have to understand is the kingdom against kingdom is greater than just kingdoms here upon this earth. On the spiritual level of things, it's Satan's kingdom against God's kingdom. One of those K's should be capital. It's a kingdom of Satan against the kingdom of God. Now, here's what I like to, to point out to people. Do you understand that it's not the kingdom of God any longer against the kingdom of Satan? It's the kingdom of Satan against the kingdom of God. And the reason I say that is because Satan was delivered at the resurrection, or was, was defeated at the resurrection. There is no longer a battle. Jesus is victorious. He's already won. We're told that he has the keys to hell and Hades and to death. So the victory is already ours through Christ Jesus. The kingdom of God is, not, is no longer against anything. It's the kingdom of Satan that's against the kingdom of God. So as long as you and I go through life understanding that we're on the winning team, the battle has already been won. You say, well, yeah, I don't know about that, Ron, because I know a lot of stuff. Do <laughs> you know the, the Bible? You, you have to go to what the Bible says. Are, are there battles in this world? Yes, but you're already the victor in that battle. The, the battle has already been won. It was won at Calvary and the resurrection. Do you know Psalm 86, 7, I believe. Don't, don't quote me for sure. I believe that's it. It says that God sits in the heavens and laughs at his enemies. Think about that. Whenever Satan comes along, he's like a little fly that God can just flip off the table. Not just flip off, but flip off the table. <laughs> he is no foe to God. And until we understand that, until we know who our God is, Paul says, I know whom I have believed in. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. I know whom I believed in. And a lot of people don't. They're not convinced of who God is. 
I know this isn't all necessarily Middle East conflict, but it's probably right in the middle of your conflict. So let's rise up and understand that the kingdom of Satan is defeated. Hallelujah. Revelations eleven fifteen says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The kingdoms of this world are now the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ. Hallelujah. And you know you cannot have a kingdom without a king. And Jesus Christ is king of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Hallelujah. So, because of all that, see that you are not troubled. Praise the Lord. Okay. Back to earth and the Middle East conflict. Hamas. Hamas is a Palestinian Islamic movement founded in 1987. It's an acronym for the Arabic name Islamic Resistance Movement. I know that makes no sense in English because it's not an acronym in English. It's an acronym in Arabic. The translation of the word Hamas is Arabic, which means enthusiastic rage. And as you watch those that belong to Hamas, which is a terrorist group, you can see that they live up to their explanation of who they are. Enthusiastic rage. Islamic resistance movement. What is it that they are resistant to? They are resistant to nothing less and nothing more than the elimination of every Jew upon the face of the earth and upon uh, the resistance against Israel as a nation. They want to see the total annihilation of Israel and every single Jew. It was said, uh, Islam has said, that until every Jew is wiped off the face of the earth, there will still be a representation of their God. <clears throat> they said just last week that we will, just last week, one of Hamas's leaders said, we will perform October the 9th, and, or October the 7th, October the 9th, and October the 10th, over and over and over and over, a million times over, until Israel is no longer, and there is no sign of a Jew anywhere upon the face of the earth. They said that just this last week. So we have an enemy. And I tell you, it is nothing but demonic. But if you get to thinking about it, John 10.10 10 comes into perfect play. And you've heard me say John 10.10 10 here many, many times if you've been here very long. Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Hamas's job is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That is their job description. It's also Satan's job description to come to, he comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. So even though Hamas is over there trying to do that to the Jew, the devil is still trying to do that to every one of us every single day. 
He doesn't care anything about you, about your kids. He doesn't care anything about how warm and fuzzy you feel here on Sunday morning. All he wants to do is to come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But aren't you glad for the last part? Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. And I want to live a life that is full of abundance, a life that is full of the presence of God. I, okay, I won't go there. <laughs> Josh, I may have to take another week. You said that I was going to finish this morning, but I don't think I am. I, I, I just feel God's in, in this. I really do. So, so, do I have your permission to go? <laughs> Here's where we're hopefully going, what I meant to go to today, where we will go next week. All this stuff that's going on in the Middle East all comes from Isaac and Ishmael. And I want to explain that and go into a little more detail of that next week. And then, the other thing is, it is it's nothing other than smoke and mirrors to get people, people's minds off of Jesus Christ. It's amazing how this thing is so huge it's so, it's just out of proportion. And it's all to keep people's eyes off of the Savior. We're going to talk about it next week. Maybe. <laughs> okay. I hope you got something from this this morning. Let's be a, let's be a people. who know who we are in Christ. And we show a lost and dying world that there's, a, there's great hope. And there's a great way to live in the midst of it all. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org.